Hi, I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, back to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, So we are wrapping up our discussion uh, on The New Life by Tom Crew. So we will be discussing the rest of the novel, parts three and four. We discussed parts one and two in the last episode. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that episode before you come to this one. Um, Mm -hmm. And can't stress enough, read the book. Mm -hmm. We loved, loved this book. So I'm excited to keep talking about it. But we do have some other things to discuss first. So will you let everybody know what the next book we're going to be doing is, please? Yes. So I finally decided we are going to be reading Clara and the Sun um, by Katsuo Ishiguro. Um, I'm really excited about this one. This one came out, I think, last year, maybe the year before. It's relatively new. And um, it was recommended to me by a yoga instructor And I think it's very of the moment. So it's kind of about um, AI. So it's from the perspective of an artificial friend, Clara, um, who is basically in a store and she is hoping to be chosen by somebody um, to pick her as their artificial friend. And it's just kind of about this artificial friend's AI entities, observances of the people around her. Um, I'm excited. I've heard great things about this author. This author has won the Nobel Prize um, for literature in the past and is pretty legendary and well-known, so I'm excited to read it. I haven't read any of his other work, um, but I've heard good things about this one. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I heard really good things about this book, and it got a lot of um, buzz. Yeah. I read Never Let Me Go, and I really loved that, Um, but then I've also, I had a friend read this and did not recommend it but I don't necessarily always agree with their taste yeah yeah so I'm really and I'll be honest I went and picked it up today and I started it and so far I really like it okay good good um so yeah I'm I'm excited about this it'll be good to talk about and then I did it was funny when we when I had told you that this was going to be my pick um it, it just does feel very of the moment with the whole conversation around AI mm-hmm. right now and ChatGPT and, yeah. and, you know, a bunch of prolific AI creators and engineers now walking out of the industry. Um, it's pretty, it's a hot topic right now and it's definitely something that is going to just get bigger in the future. So um, I'm excited to kind of yeah. talk about that subject and those ideas. Um as well, regardless of kind of how the book turns out. Although I am very hopeful that it will be as good as the hype kind of was about it when it came out. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Good pick, I think. So uh, go pick up a copy from your local bookstore or bookshop.org so you can read and get caught up on that with us. Yes. Um, what you drinking? I am drinking a pink drink. It is a gin and um luxardo cherry drink with pink grapefruit mm. fever tree so it's Ooh, kind of like spritzy really good. it's good i like it yeah that sounds nice well i had grand plans to make this drink that was sorry i just backed <laughs> away from my microphone i had 
I had uh, big plans to make this fun dragon fruit tequila drink, uh, but I made it, it. It didn't make it right. It didn't work out. And I was in a hurry and a little pissy. So I grabbed a beer. So I'm drinking a delirium tremens because it's delicious. It's strong. And all I had to do was uh, get a bottle opener. So hey. that's what I'm drinking. I, I can't tell I, you how I many did times put in I've effort. done it. I'm kind of yeah, jealous, I honestly, because I think mine didn't live up to the hype. So I kind of wish I just had a nice beer to drink right now because I don't, mine's yeah. not very good, to be honest. <laughs> the only thing is, is it keeps foaming up and s- spilling over because I didn't put it in a glass. Um, so that's a little irritating. What are you drinking it? Oh, so you're just drinking it out of the, oh, I see. Yeah. And before I left, cause it's a, so it's actually called delirium Noel. So it's, so I love this brand. So I think last time or maybe the time before mm-hmm. I also had a delirium tremens, but it was like a special flavor one. Yes. And this one is too, cause Kendrick brought them back for me. And so he wanted to try it before I left. And so he like took a big swig out of it. And I think that made it all. Gotcha. Heady. Yeah. Uh, but now I think it's finally settled down because I had it on the floor because it was getting all over the. I like the bottle. It's cute. They're yeah. packaging. We've talked about this well, before. We're suckers for packaging. Oh, I'm totally suckers for packaging. Like you can't beat it. Um, all, we haven't also caught up on this in a little while. What uh, are you reading? Anything else? Watching anything else? Anything else hmm. of the moment going on? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, um, I have been reading the Throne of Glass series, which is, it's tough because it's another like kind of cheesy YA fantasy, but it's funny to me because this author gets a lot of hype for A Court of Thrones and Roses, which is like objectively bad writing, right? Like it's just like not Mm -hmm. good. The plot sucks like it's not great um but they get so much hype for that series and it's gonna become um a series on hulu as well like it's in production and i'm just so confused that that's the product like that's the series that they're deciding to to turn into a like a television series because nothing happens in that <laughs> series. Like yeah. it, there's just no plot like past the second book. <laughs> and the series is way more like epic in the sense that I could see them making like a good production out of it at the very least. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not the best writing, it's like a cool story and it's an interesting, like interesting world building going on um, for just kind of classic fantasy writing, I would say. And, um, so it's been enjoyable. It's been it's been good. It's like a good series to get lost in. And also sometimes I like I just feel so accomplished when I can read like 700 pages in like a day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just helps yeah. get you in the habit and like mm-hmm. just makes you feel like you have a lot of momentum um, when you're reading other stuff outside of it. So anyway, that's what I've been reading. So I've been reading those books like almost every other day. And then as far as shows that I've been watching, um, I did recently watch Queen Charlotte, which is the prequel for Bridgerton. And it's funny because I really did not enjoy Bridgerton a ton, you know, like I thought it was kind of cheesy and I, um, 
it was like confusing certain aspects of it. Just I was surprised by the by it. I don't know. I didn't like it that much. Yeah, I remember we talked about like the music, how it had yes. like the modern. Yeah, yeah, we had like a whole discussion on that. Yeah, yeah, but. I will say I actually really liked the prequel significantly more. And I think I liked mm. it because it was like a very close ended story. But I also thought it was way more serious in like the themes and issues that it was exploring. It was just way more interesting. It wasn't just this like romantic fairy tale. It was kind of. I mean, there are some episodes that were like pretty horrific, to be honest. So it's about Queen Charlotte, who is married to King George III. And King George III is obviously pretty notoriously um, the Mad King, Mad King George. Um, he is, has a documented um, mental illness. You know, it was pretty bad, especially in his later years. Um, and this show kind of explores more about that kind of side of their relationship and some of the um, historical like inhumanity that people with mental health issues have been seen. So like it kind of gets into some of the treatments that he sought out for it, which, you know, as you can imagine, this is the time of like bedlam sanitarium. So it's not great kind of stuff that he went through. Um, I'm always hesitant, you know, to like really like shows like this because I don't like glorifying monarchy in general, you know, mm -hmm. especially yeah. this is, you yeah. know, this is the guy I we agree. said peace out to in 1776. So not the best king yeah. either, but I did like the more serious tone of, and like more serious complications to their relationship than what you typically see in the rest of the series and where most of like the the difficulties or, you know, you know, hiccups in the love story are right. pretty silly, you know, or arbitrary. Yeah. This is, this yeah. was like pretty serious. And, um, so I liked that. I thought it was sweet and like it hit home and I thought the actors did a really good job. Um, so I liked it. Yeah. What about you? Have you been watching any, anything else or reading anything? I know you've been reading other stuff cause you always are. I have been reading lots. Um, let's see. So I read this book that I've had for a while called Lap, Lapvona mm -hmm. by Otessa Moshvig. And it was odd. Like, I liked it, but it was, it's weird. So it's kind of historical fiction. Well, kind of. I mean, it's not based on any, like, real necessarily town, but it, it's kind of like... So it, it's like this, you can tell it's kind of like a, I'm trying to think, it's like a fiefdom, like a medieval kind of time period. Mm -hmm. And this boy and his father are like sheep herders and they're distant relatives of the, like, he's not a king. He's, um, he's like the governor, like the town governor mm -hmm. and he's like corrupt and, they and the town ends up going through this like drought and these different events happen that have the son who's also kind of um he's like he's abused by his father but he's also um like physically disabled and mm -hmm. mentally disabled and he ends up going to live in for the governor and like kind of become his new adopted son and then there's a woman there that's like kind of a 
a witch that has basically been wet nurse to like all the children and now adults in the village. It's very, I'm not explaining it very well because it's very, it's very odd, hmm. but it's good. And, and it's, it's kind of an interesting like critique, I think on how sometimes we romanticize like medieval time yes. periods and like courts and king, which was also, um, it's very apropos to the times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't tell you if I, Loved it, but it was definitely interesting and weird and made me think. So it was good in that sense. Nice. Um, and then I read Asada Shakur's biography or autobiography, excuse me, which I've been meaning to read for a while and haven't. Loved that. She's an amazing woman and it's a really great autobiography. Like she really just mostly focuses on like she's got her, her poetries in there. She, she goes back and forth between when she's in prison. I mean, she was in prison for over, she was long, long time. And she was just treated horribly while she was awaiting trial. She was, you know, went through like 15 different trials that were all bullshit. I mean, just the shit this woman went through, but she talks a lot about like her political views and, what like the work she did with the black liberation army and with the black Panther party. And just really, I think gives some great, she's just a great storyteller, but it goes back and forth between while she's in prison and in in her solitary to her growing up. And then they kind of mesh in the middle. Um, And then she doesn't talk too much about being in Cuba, but a little bit. And I thought that was interesting too. Um, So really recommend that one was great. And then did I tell you about pineapple street? Did I already talk about that one? No, I don't think so. So there's this novel that I read called Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. Um, Total beach read. Like, it was interesting. It's basically about the poor struggles of this 1% wealthy family. Like, they're, like, of the 1%. Yeah. But but I think it tried to be self-aware of that. I don't know. But it was a good beach read. Like, it was a good, easy, Mm -hmm. fun story. There's really nothing too, like, dramatic about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but if you need, like, a good, you know, beach read, pool read, Mm -hmm. it was was a pretty good one. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. And then, yeah, we're just, our Star Trek's done for right now. We're waiting for the new one to start up in June. Have you, have you been watching Watching Abbott Elementary? Have you been watching that? I have. I I did start that. I'm about five episodes in. I like it. Okay. I really like it. Um, so I recommend Kendrick didn't get into it. I had him watch the first episode with me. Um, but I, I'm really digging it. So I'll have to give it another shot then. Cause I actually, I like the, um, the actor that's in it. He was in the, like everybody hates Chris TV show. Like, did you ever watch that? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it, but I know about it and I do like that actor. Well, I like it was a it was a fun sh- little show that I watched. Like, like I just remember I didn't watch it all the time, but I just have fond memories watching it as a kid. So it made me feel kind of nostalgic for that actor and seeing him in something else, which is always great. Um, so I, Brian and I need to to start that. Honestly, we just I just can't stop thinking about Ted Lasso. Though I just I'm so I sad. I don't want it to end, but I have to say for anybody who's listened to our conversation about Ted Lasso before, I hope you've watched it because I have to say I think I am onto something, and I think that he and Rebecca will end up together because he had the green matchbox. Okay. Yes, he had yes. the green matchbox. I saw the- 
I just yelled really loud into the microphone. I said the same thing when Kendrick and I were watching the last episode. I was like, oh my God, I did not think that was going to be a thing. Remember? I told you, uh-huh. I don't think so. Uh-huh. And then I saw him because they, like, why have that otherwise? Why? Yeah. Like, and he, they paused on it and he looked at it. Oh, oh, green matchbox. And like, and he puts it on the table. Yeah. Like, it was totally, I feel like they're totally putting in the little hints from the little, you know, thing with the medium that she had. And I totally, I think... I, I think it's happening. I feel like that was confirmation enough for me that it's happening. I, I totally didn't think so. And then I saw that and I'm like, okay, that, so I said the same thing. So we will see. Last episode was really good though. I really liked mm-hmm. how they handled like what happened with Keely. Um, yeah, it was really good. So mm-hmm. that's the only thing I'm really watching. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. I, okay. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm so excited to talk about the, the rest of this book. By yeah. The way. Me too. Okay, so where we left off, um, they have, well, maybe we should, so starting in part three, I love how it starts. So we kind of end with Henry kind of having some more realizations about Edith and how she feels, um, you know, and her feelings about him and also her feelings about um, Angelica Mm -hmm. and that Edith is in love with her, maybe in a way that Henry didn't quite understand. And I think it's, I really read that as Henry just, there's such a sense of loneliness Mm -hmm. for Henry throughout the novel. Right. And so I think that just added to it. Um, And then part three starts so lovely. We didn't talk about Edward Carpenter in the first part of the book, even though it mentions him. So Edward Carpenter is, um, he's also a gay man and he kind of lives out in the country with his partner, Mm -hmm. his lover, who's very, so very similar to, um, to Frank and John, John, where one's older, one's a little younger, one's more, you know, wealthy, learned scholar, one's more like, Working class collar worker, we would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he is someone that Henry would talk to before they were friendly. Well, so then it's so nice. It opens up with John and Frank are at Edward Carpenter's house and Edward Carpenter is measuring their feet for these sandals that he <laughs> wears. Like he's kind of just this, you know, bohemianish mm-hmm. kind of guy, mm-hmm. but it's like an opportunity where George and um, sorry, not George, John and Frank are getting to kind of live free in a way. Mm-hmm. Like they're out here, they're staying at Edward's house as guests. They're all kind of able to be themselves and be with other people like them they and can have a go to tea. bed without sneaking out in the morning. Yeah. They go to bed with each other. Like Edward and um, John are talking alone and Frank and I can't remember Edward's partner's name. I think it's like mom. Uh, starts with an M, I think. But they they go out together. Like they go out and have some drinks Meryl. and then they come back home. Yes, it's Meryl. Meryl. Yeah. They come back home and and then the couples go to bed together and have just like a lovely, mm-hmm. nice, sexy evening and it's just like, you know, what you would want to have as a any couple, any people who mm-hmm. are in love and are romantic to be able to go and kind of live openly that way. And they mm-hmm. get this. And I thought it was a really nice like start to this part. Yeah. Especially um, because like it starts out with this, this like kind of pure example of freedom and this luxury of being able to be open and normal and expressive and have your relationship being treated as normal. 
Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of this like breath of freedom and fresh air before the rest of the novel kind of continues because I think the rest of the novel in particular, you see a lot more pushback against this lifestyle and against the ideas that are discussed throughout the novel. And there's a lot more um, shame and tension that comes through this last, last bit of the of the book and so starting it off this way is just kind of like your deep breath of like peace and happiness before things kind of get um not more serious I'm not meaning that it's not serious from the beginning but um the tension it heats up a little bit as far as the kind of issues for these characters you know yeah and I think it's so so quick plot point with it so they do get their book published. In fact, um, part of the people in charge of the publishing are the publishers that Frank used to live with because they publish more like, what's the word? Controversial material. Yeah. Uh, the book gets published and it actually doesn't make too much of a fuss. And in some ways they're happy about that because they kind of go the route of like medical journals or like medical community. They're really pushing it as this like scientific book, which it is. It's not supposed to be salacious in that way, but they also want it to make an impact. So it's an interesting, their response of, well, we're not getting arrested. (laughs) No one's like Mm -hmm. freaking out at us or even making a very much of a big deal. It's not really exposing us, but also it's not, nothing's really happening. And they really particularly, I mean, they really both do. John, I think is just a little more outspoken, want to affect change. They're not just doing this for the hell of it. They're taking a huge risk. Well, and, and part of it too is that they go back and forth before they publish about whether or not they even should because of the issues that we kind of talked about before um, of Oscar Wilde's arrest and his very public trial and yes. um, d- the discussion and the way that this world and this lifestyle and this type of love is kind of being written about and discussed in the society at large, which um, you know, they read it's not like some of the headlines and stuff and it's just pretty gross, you know, like the way yeah. that people are writing about the community and writing about, um, gay men specifically. And so that's an added risk. And it's also like, a Oscar Wilde kind of acts as this, um, point of reference as far as what the risks really are but also like why they're trying to um why exactly they need to do it because he's sentenced to hard labor and you know it's they're all kind of thinking that it could be them in some kind of capacity or at least John is that's definitely a struggle that John kind of goes through but ultimately they do decide to publish and um not much happens at first anyway. Yeah. And I love, uh, there's just some great, there's so many things that I marked and highlighted in the last half of the book. Like John Addington really, really becomes impassioned about Mm -hmm. this. And I think, you know, how part three opens with John and Frank getting to kind of live the life that they should be able to live. It's so lovely. They're so happy. It's such a nice time while they're in it. And then they have to leave it, right? But Mm -hmm. I think that that glimpse that John got of like, this is what I want. This is what I should have. This is what other people have. This is not like this. There's no reason this shouldn't be. And Mm -hmm. 
to have to have like a glimpse of that and then leave it and then see not only that he doesn't get to live that way right now, but with everything that happens with Oscar Wilde, this I think it just really hits him and it has such more of an impact than I think maybe it would have before all of this started with Frank and Henry in the book, because it's like he could see what it could be. Right. And not only sees that he can't have it, but that who he is, he not only can't be, but he can be imprisoned for. And he Mm -hmm. makes this fabulously. I just love what he says. It's in chapter 22 and he's talking to Henry and they're talking about, um, Uh, you know, wild and about this concept of now that this has happened, do we publish or not? And like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And and it goes, uh, Addington says he will die there. Uh, Solitary, nothing to read, no one to visit an hour of exercise a day, Oakum to pick. And this is the law, the law that bursts the blackmailer nurses him, makes him fat. The law that turns him witness grants him pardon when it suits in order to secure the guilt of the sodomite, which part it's because uh, they basically bribed people to testify against wild is what they're referencing. Uh, This is the majesty of it and the justice for him to say that wild must be dead to shame that he had never tried a worse trial. Does he know that little children are strangled and burned by their parents? That most nights old men die bundled in doorways? Does he know that women are raped in cellars and have their throats slit while they scream? Mm-hmm. He stopped and sucked on his cigarette. It bobbed in his mouth. Like, he's he makes such a good... And then it goes on and it's just great. Like, just this idea of, you know, he says... They cannot believe themselves if they are not imbeciles. They cannot believe half the things they say, and yet they willingly empty more filth into the pot. And just like his his vigor and just how how angry he is at this mm-hmm. and just like his passion with it, I think is really appealing. Like, and it almost maybe comes off as like at first I was like, oh, it's such like a big shift, you know, in John in some ways, like with how kind of gung-ho he is like he's kind of out of the realm of okay let's like kind of pussyfoot around in letters to see if someone catches on to what I'm saying and I know that they're of sound mind and like Mm -hmm. you know let's hide it's it's we talked last time about there's so much darkness and light talk yeah and I almost just feel like he's like screw this I'm out in the light and that really comes to play like later in the book there's these really big scenes where um they're at so the people that were publishing the book the man gets arrested. The bookseller. It's a book. Se- the bookseller. Yeah, the bookseller. That's right. It's the bookseller for having in the book being indecent. So they're not even going after John and Henry right now, the authors yet. They've arrested the bookseller. And of course there's organizations that are raising money to help him, but their thought of helping him is not necessarily because they agree with the book. It's more about the idea of freedom of speech and not, mm. you know, um, and they have this big kind of reception in honor of this man. And there's all these free thinkers there, right? And members of the new life and all these kind of important people that are, I liked how this was in here. Like they're the liberal, so to speak. Right. And John ends up giving this speech kind of off the cuff that kind of outs himself. Right. And, and, And I think it was like just this idea, this rage of like, you're all supporting him, but you're not actually really supporting the message. And that needs to be supported too. Like, you know, that was the whole point of the book. And I think it just brings up again, this idea of like why they did this, 
what they wanted out of it and this duel of wanting to survive and and be well, okay, but then also have change right. happen. Well, and then there's like so much conflict, right? Because he's, you know, the, the, there's this conversation that he has with, um, I think it was with Henry, um, where they're talking, you know, he's, Henry's kind of frustrated with him and with that speech and, and they're kind of put forth mm-hmm. with this conflict of, okay, like our option is to go in front of this jury and to try to defend our book as the scientific entity, but they have to do it together. They have to be a unified front. Um, but by doing so, they put themselves at risk and they pose a risk in outing um, John, putting Henry at risk, putting like more scrutiny on him and his wife. Um, and Edith's relationships as well. Like everybody's just kind of being affected by this. And John receives so much like pressure from everyone who's basically asking him not to do it, including Frank, you know, Frank is saying the same thing. Like you don't need to do this. Um, you know, his wife, Catherine, pretty much from the beginning is like, don't, don't, do something with this book. Don't even publish this book. Like if we do, we're separating, you have to tell the kids. And then the kids are kind of like, he's getting isolated by the kids. And then Henry and Edith even give him a hard time after he does give that speech. But he, when he's confronted with this idea of him being selfish, right. And doing Mm -hmm. this for his own gain. And he's asked, you know, like, are you even considering everyone that's being affected by your basically loudness, you know, like the fact that you're not remaining hidden anymore. And he says it's because of Frank that he's doing this, even though Frank is asking him not to, right? And I think that sentence is, that description of Frank being the reason why is because he finally has a taste of what it means to not be lonely anymore and to have love. And he doesn't want anyone else to be denied that. And one of the things that I loved about his speech in, in particular that was really moving to me and um, clearly was really impactful for him is that the whole reason that this bookseller is on trial was because like all of this came about because this young man from Liverpool found the book. He ordered the book and he mm-hmm. was reading it and then he was discovered by his parents and his parents reported it to the police and then the authorities became aware of the book and then it became this whole legal issue. And I just loved his description of it um, in his speech. He said, you all know the name of Oscar Wilde, but I cannot forget, though it was not reported, that the initial cause of Mr. Higgs' arrest was a young man in Liverpool. I do not know his name. If I did, I would not name him. A young man in Liverpool who purchased a copy of Sexual Inversion and whose parents, discovering it, reported the book to the police. This young man no doubt considered himself alone in the world. He sought knowledge and he sought assurance that he was not damned and he has been damned. He has been damned. And then a single large shining tear rolls down Addington's face. Um, and I, I love like this, I don't know, this, this connection that John Addington describes of putting this book out there and just trying to make someone even if this book only sells to three people, right? But making those three people no longer feel lonely and making them feel seen and making them feel like they now know, you know, 50 other people because they include all of these different accounts and stories in it and making them feel like they're not one 
in, um, you know, like that they're just not alone in the world and that it's okay. Um, yeah. And this kind of like desperation for that connection, like that we talked about in the last episode. Um, but this, you know, he has a taste of it now and it's, it feels like he's willing to do pretty much anything to give someone else a taste of that freedom. And I also really love this connection to his country that he's so insistent upon because there's so much conversation about moving and like, let's just go Mm -hmm. to France. We could go to France and we'd be okay. We wouldn't have to worry. And Henry's friend Owen moves to France when all of this stuff with Oscar Wilde comes out, he decides he's going to leave because he wants to be safe and wants to be able to be himself. And you mean Jack, Jack, sorry. Yes, Jack. Um, and I loved how, you know, that is always an option, but John is so dedicated to making that a reality in his home country and like not having to leave and, and trying to make a paradise or like a world for them that they can exist as they are in the place that they are born and um, that they love and where all their family and loved ones are. And I liked, I really admired that dedication, even though I think as hopeful and admirable as all of that is, this, again, this is like last two sections of the book, I think are also pretty riddled with, you know, a lot of pressure and a lot of heat and a lot mm-hmm. of judgment and a lot of shame and as like in some ways desperation, you know, of like kind of clinging to each other and trying to gain comfort from each other. But there's also kind of like feelings of betrayal a little bit too between some of these parties. It's just, it's interesting. We talked about it a little bit before in a previous episode about how you can have people within the same community have very different ideas of what the best way forward is. And yeah, it's, we see it a lot with John and Mark, like his, his good friend who is gay, but decides to stay and, and just like live a hetero lifestyle with his wife. Um, but then you see the same kind of conflict happen um, with Edith and with Angelica. Like, they have very different opinions about what the best step forward is as far as this book goes. Um, and it's interesting to see those kind of conflicts come out, even though some of the conversations that are had are, like, really sad and just hard to, were hard for me to read because I just felt so sad. I know. It's <laughs> about so it. sad. It's but I loved how all these different points of view are presented in this novel, particularly in the second half, in a way that I think, like, it's all understandable. Like, you talked about, you know, Jack and how he wanted to leave. And mm-hmm. he's kind of one of the people that first, like, that are not first, but that is talking to Henry about, like, hey, like, this this isn't a good idea anymore, even mm-hmm. though he was supportive of it. And Henry, you know, it's like, but you know, you believed in the book, you know, you wept about it. You thanked me. And Mm -hmm. Jack says it was, this is in chapter 24. And Jack says, it was so unexpected to find myself when you are used to silence or to speaking in code a little like we are now with all the words dropped out. It was so unexpected to speak freely. And it was possible to think that it might, that something might happen. I was grateful to you. I still am. But that was before the great dramatist took his bow. This book will not succeed, Henry. You have had your warning, your provision. You should be grateful for it. You must exist. You must exit that contract as quickly as you may before Addington destroys you both. 
And then Mm -hmm. they go on for a little bit and, um, he says, you know, why did I, Henry says, why did I sign the contract? Do you think, I think you are scared of him. I am. I suspect more scared perhaps that he may be right. And then Jack says, it is, it is possible for things to be morally right and practically wrong recognition of which fact keeps most people sane. It says there is a name for it. Hypocrisy. It is a justification for selfishness. It is how we survive. Jack said, mm-hmm. and I think like neither one are like, wrong you know what I mean like they're like you can't blame people for just trying to survive and like trying to get through life as best as they can but it is hypocritical at the same time but like who are we to tell anybody how they choose to survive in a world where their very existence is deemed like indecent you know and I I think well yeah. yeah It's just no. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's just it's just hard. It's um, these conversations and these kind of conflicts. I just I actually really would love to see this um, book become like a movie or something because I just feel like I know I just feel like the right actors could just make this and these conversations just so incredibly crushing and moving and. it just I liked all, all the things that it brought up of of also kind of like activism and um, how not everybody can do it. Like not everybody is kind of in a position or is capable or like emotionally ready as well to like put everything at risk um, and be vulnerable like this. Um, but some but well, people have think, to do yeah. it. You know, it's just I don't know. It's tough. I know it's needed. And then it's also like what it, I think this book really brings up the points of what people sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. Like who, who, what are, what are the sacrifices made? What, what do you lose from trying to gain this? And it's so important, right? Like this book is obviously important and change needs to come. And John and Henry, like it's, there's so amazing for doing mm-hmm. this, but also, you know, John's wife is deeply hurt. His children are hurt, mm-hmm. uh, for Henry, like his relationship with Edith and Angelica suffers and, you know, and, and d- yes, John has Frank, but like that creates some conflict too. And then, you know, you've got Henry's friend Jack that leaves and he, as he leaves, I love the scene where he's getting on a train, right? He's going to France and, you know, Henry watches him. It says Henry watched Jack arrive at a carriage door where there was a man paused it seemed to him, even from that distance, that the two men exchanged a glance. So I read that mm-hmm. as Jack has had a lover, mm-hmm. and now he and his lover are going somewhere that they can be free together. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, regardless of what John and Frank's situation is right now, they're not actually really free together. You know, they've right. only experienced that briefly. And and is it any less valuable or important or revolutionary for Jack and and his lover to go somewhere and be together as it is for if they stayed and try to do it, you know, it just makes all these points about what you lose in either situation and, and how that's, everyone has to make that choice and just how hard that is. It's an impossible choice. And it's an impossible choice. Sacrifices are had to be made across, across the way. And, and, um, even just like the, the way that, um, John describes the conflict that he and other um, people written about in the book and sexual inverts, as he says, of like the internal conflict of having something so natural 
to you that is as easy as breathing be something that you have to hide from a very young age. Like you learn to conceal it. You learn to like hold it in yourself. You learn that it's shameful, that it's indecent. And then you have to like watch the way that it's talked about in society and just this kind of um, duplicitousness to it that it creates Mm -hmm. within the self and the way that that in and of itself is harmful. So like, even though he, you know, you can look at this and think about how tragic this is for Catherine, right? Like Catherine is, you know, this beard for him, right? And like this, this social shield, but she's, this isn't what she signed up for. She deserves love too. This isn't what she wanted. She wanted to have like a full marriage and she's entitled to a full loving marriage where she can feel wanted. And at the same time, you know, that pain is real, but the pain that John had to go through to even get to the point where he is willing to engage in a marriage with a woman when yeah. he knows yeah. it's, that's what's unnatural for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's something that doesn't even, can't even really be properly described, that kind of internal conflict that you go through to get there. And the thing is that's interesting is like, everybody's having all of these conflicts, right? And the biggest kind of question that Henry's getting is, but people are going to think you're gay, basically, right? Right. And he has a hard time even, um, even though he knows he has no question that what he did is morally right and that the, mm-hmm. the um, science of it is correct. There's no question or hesitancy as far as that's concerned. But the ramifications, you know, is something that he comes to disengage with, right? And he determines that it's best not to testify and that, like, he couldn't do something that would put John or himself in danger or put the bookshop owner even more in danger when he knows that they could plea a deal out and be in a better situation, right, than getting, like, a guilty and going to jail. And this conflict that he has about it, too, I thought was it was important for me to keep in mind that he himself doesn't understand what that taste of freedom is like because he has what he calls a sexual perversion um, as well. But he has never been really able to engage in it, right? He's never really yeah. been able to be super open about it or he's never had a partner that's really engaged with him in that way um it's something that Mm -hmm. he's really kept to himself and to his chest and he does tell Edith and um he's able to share that with her kind of near the end of the book but um like he's he's in his own kind of like quote-unquote closet if you will like yeah he but unlike John you know he doesn't have that freedom or that relationship or that taste of what it can be like to be open and safe and like express yourself in that way um to fight for yeah he doesn't know what that's like for him I do think part I feel like so I talked about how John and Frank had that moment where like what you're talking about um you know the beginning of part three where they're at Edward Carpenter's house and I I almost think kind of Henry had that when he spends Christmas with Edith and Angelica like I just thought that part was so lovely. And while it wasn't 
the same necessarily because it was like a romantic partner thing. I thought it was, you know, he marries Edith knowing that they're going to have this unconventional marriage, right? They live apart. Edith Mm -hmm. spends time with these other women. She's developed this deep relationship with Angelica. Henry has, has even like helped to keep them. He's almost, it's, they're almost like a, to put it kind of crassly, it's not this simple, but like a thruple in a way. There's just, um, and they're all very important to each other and they care about each other and it's not the typical, it's not standard, but they just have this lovely, lovely Christmas together and they've gotten him a new pair of boots. And like, it says how he, he said, thank you for like the fourth or fifth time. Cause he's just, you know, so it says the firelight licked up the leather and the smell rose like cooking. Mm-hmm. Like it's just such this lovely, almost Dickens, Dickinson-ish kind Dickensian. of. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was the word. Yeah. Like feel. And I almost feel like that was kind of Henry's moment of that, of like, because that's his thing, right? It's not just like, he really wants this new life. And I think for Henry's, that's almost a little more vague than John's because he's not like identifying as this homosexual man that has a partner that he wants to live with. Like, it's almost like he doesn't, I think it gives this nice point of view of, of still continuing to not label. Yeah like gender yeah. sexuality love and I feel like Henry that's a little bit of his moment of that of it's like yes this isn't typical that you're spending Christmas with your wife and her lover and right I will I, just I love to the way Angelica describes it where like she he is her husband but she is her wife right like yes that Edith is kind of at the center but you know they also Edith does ask Henry you that if he loves her a little like Angelica and he says mm-hmm. he does and um yes. they do have this like it, this kind of quiet I don't <laughs> domestic's not exactly the white right word but like it kind of is the right word of this mm-hmm. scene together but I think still like they talk about almost like the puzzle's not quite finished yet for yeah. their dynamic because emotionally Edith is like his soulmate and she stands up for him literally, right? Like she gives a speech mm-hmm. for on his behalf um, because he's so nervous. and But he still needs also that other part of him to be satisfied. And, and Edith, you know, once he tells her kind of what his inclinations are, which we talked about, it seems to be about urination. Um she promises to like find him someone because you know, she's like, I am serious. We will find you someone that you can do this with, you know, that you can talk about this with that will also maybe get pleasure from it. Like we'll, we'll try to check this box off for you. And yeah, I loved how it really seemed to be like this, um, promise to, um, as his wife almost, you know, like make his life as full as she can because of the love that they feel for each other um, the very sincere relationship that they have together. And, and I think that that's maybe a hint at like the full life that he could have, that he could fight for. Um, but it's more of just like a promise for that future life. And he hasn't, yes, it's the, yeah, it's more of like the hopefulness and the promise of it. And also the knowledge that like, it's not, it is a sexual perversion, but it's not the same kind of threat to his safety or his family's safety. 
the way that John kind of faces because also, you know, Edith and Angelica are inverts as they are described in the book, but um, it's not illegal for women to engage right. in in romantic right. relationships with each other. So that like, yes, like homosexuality is kind of at its head getting criticized and um, talked about in society because of the book and because of Oscar Wilde, but they themselves don't have to worry about, you know, going to jail for it. It's a different kind of stress and critique, I guess, that they're facing. Yeah, exactly. I I do. I love how all these different perspectives are put into the book so well, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think, I think that's one of my favorite parts of it is uh, there's not any one of these characters really that I was like, ugh. No, agreed. You know, all of them, I think were very, um, uh, I was able to empathize with them. I was interested in what they had to say about things I Mm -hmm. liked and it all came out very naturally. None of Mm -hmm. it came off. Like there's that one character that's like, you know, a mouthpiece for some other viewpoint, if that makes sense. Like the novel isn't sometimes I feel like sometimes movies, novels, I see it more in like movies and TV shows, but it's almost like no one would actually speak this way or talk this way about this very important topic. Right. Like, they're being used as a mouthpiece to like get off a speech about something. And I, it never comes off that way in the novel, even though there's so many important things that it talks about outside of just this idea that, you know, homosexuality is natural. Mm -hmm. Like it just sheds so much light. And it's just, I think that concept of, you know, it's why it's so important for every, for when one group is oppressed, it's not just one group that's oppressed. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's so many and that's why you can't, it's, it's all connected because what's really causing the oppression is, is all this one thing up at the top. And so I think the, I didn't explain that very well, but the book does a really good job. I think of Mm -hmm. shedding light on multiple, uh, judgments, oppressions, you know, prejudices, not just, I I agree. Like, I feel like Catherine's a good example of that because she has a great conversation with Henry when they're about to separate. And she kind of talks to Henry about this book and why he's doing it. And she tells him that she and John are going to separate, you know, and I love, um, I agree. Like, I love this conversation that they have together where they're very candid with each other, very open in ways that John and Henry haven't been open with each other. Right. And I liked when Henry told her, like, don't you understand, like, that this pain and this thing that you've gone through, it it all happened because society is the way that it is. And we're trying to change that so that this doesn't happen to, like, other women like you, right? Like, other women who are in marriages with men that don't want to be with them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, Catherine's interesting also, because she's she's very like yeah. cold in her response in her responses, but like the pain that she feels is real. And I loved this kind of like attempt that he has to try to explain like you're just as much like a piece to this, and we're yeah. not saying that John is the only victim here. Like that's the whole point of what we're trying to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like and. And how sad it is for her too. And also the position she's in as a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and it just, it's sad for everyone. There's such loveliness throughout this novel. I mean, they're just some of the most romantic, lovely, Mm -hmm. beautiful, sensual Mm -hmm. scenes I've ever read in a book. Mm -hmm. 
like for me, my, some hands down favorite. And then it's just such, and that's where like the deep sadness comes in. Right. Cause it's like, it's so lovely. And I love how, even though it's sad, it doesn't, I mean, obviously it's based off of historical fiction, but it's like, it, it's very true. I think to reality, both what was and what is now too. Right. And just mm-hmm. like how big and monumental some things can feel. And then unfortunately and sadly how little of an effect it can make, but yet it's so important that they have, you know what I mean? Right. I was thinking about just like the timing of the novel and like the time that it takes place. Right. And like how these conversations that are being had about the subject are conversations that are still happening now in a lot of countries and in the United States, even though, you know, gay people can get married throughout the country we're still seeing constantly these smaller conversations having happening on the state level and more and more restrictions and, um, more and more, uh, violence and danger dangers, you know, kind of being Mm -hmm. like, like happening to the gay community and especially the trans community. Like, I feel like that's where we're kind of at in the, in the conversation right now where that seems to be the biggest issue. But, um, it's, hard in some ways like reading this and looking at the time this is taking place right and thinking oh my god it's still going to be uh, like a hundred plus years (laughs) before right anything really 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 changes and you know the law like is changed a lot sooner than um gay people are given the right to marry that's for sure but you know, I even was just thinking about other members of um, famous people in history that were affected by these laws, right? And I was thinking of like Alan Turing and all of the things that he had to endure, endure because of his quote unquote perversion or inversion, you know, as, as far as this book is concerned. And like just the, the way that the conversations start so early, right? And the just how slow change can be even when you have revolutionaries or people taking big steps like it just and then it's never a guarantee as well too as we see today 100 i mean same totally off of the what we're reading but like i told you i just finished asada shakur's autobiography and it's Mm -hmm. insane how like how little has changed there's change but how little, and I think same thing with what you're talking about with this novel. And, but I think I loved how it wasn't just like a, uh, a woe is me kind of Mm -hmm. thing, or just how, like just how lovely those moments were really made it even all that more poignant that it wasn't just about the hardship and the sadness because that's real too, you know, Mm -hmm. and give the, the situation and these characters deserved all of that not just the sadness well and I feel like there's so so much to be said for just the humanity of this novel and how these bigger issues are um described with these lovely characters and these lovely relationships that are so easy to latch onto and to identify with and there's just so much resiliency and bravery and um like I don't know, just intelligence and heart and love that like come out of this community. And I love how this kind of shows all of those traits and all of those, um, 
beautiful, beautiful things historically about this community um, on this smaller, tighter level. Like it's these large societal conversations being had between six to eight people, you know, throughout the whole book. And I think that that is um, how it starts for a lot of people too. Like for a lot of people, it's about as far as how they feel about this topic or how their positions change about really any topic, the first thing that it starts with is coming to love or understand or get to know people within those communities. And like, I just, I fell in love with these characters. I, I really wanted what was best for them. And I liked reading mm-hmm. about them and their thoughts and their feelings. And I wanted to, I just was rooting for them the whole time. Yeah, I agree. I really liked it. There were so many nice things in this novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really enjoyed I It was such a pleasure to read. Mm-hmm. Like, I just really, really loved it. And it made me feel all sorts of things. And it made me think about things. And I just loved the character. And I would, this is totally one of those books that I'll, I've already, you know, been recommending to everybody and will like gift. Like, mm-hmm. just so, so, so good. Um, and I, and I really loved both of the main characters, John and Henry so much. And it was hard to like, like, I just loved all the characters. I loved Edith. I just loved them all. Even the minor ones like Jack. And that was so nice because it's like so nice to spend time with those characters and just become so invested in it. And it really did. Like, I feel like it made me feel even more for, for what people go through, like, and really brought up again, my privilege and just gave a whole new element of feeling. And that's just, that made me feel, that was so nice to have that. No, I agree. Like, I think that I, I just, I liked the beauty of the relationships, but I liked how too, that you could, even for somebody who's able to express themselves from a younger age, like still just the, the strength and perseverance that it has to have, like that people have to have to, yeah. to go through this and to be comfortable with it and to be vocal and, um, and find the life that they deserve and the love that they deserve. And I agree. Like it just was really very moving. Yeah, I agree. Well, I loved this one. Um, great, we could probably talk about it forever. Great but. pick. Great pick. Thank you. I'm really, really happy with this book. It was really, really good. So if we haven't, if you haven't read it, hopefully how much we've been talking about it has inspired you to go read it because it's great. Mm -hmm. So go pick up a copy of The New Life by Tom Crew at your local bookstore, bookshop.org. And while you're there, pick up (laughs) Clara and the Sun by Katsuo Ishiguro. It's going to be really good. I'm, I'm hopeful anyway. I hope it will live up to the hype. I'm already digging it. Okay, good. Fabulous. Yeah. So, and I think I'm excited to talk about that. I've had lots of thoughts about, you know, all the newest talking about AI and especially as it pertains to like the creative elements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So I I think this will be a good, a good topic. So hopefully you guys are interested in that as well. Um, Anything else you want to? touch on before we wrap it up i don't think so i think i'm good okay well um hope you guys enjoyed we love this book um and we will talk to you next time bye